Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Somehow, God is in me, and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all at once. Many religions claim that we will all eventually be gods. The Bible says something so much better. It says, no, God will continue to be God. Man will continue to be man, but God will come upon man. No way! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, Todd, it's Eric. Just want to let you know that I'm standing here with Pastor Bob Amigo from Higher Rock Church in Quezon City, Philippines. This is going to warm your cold, conservative heart. This is Wretched Radio. The voice you just heard is from Dr. Eric Weathers. Just returning from a trip to the Philippines, if you are a gospel partner, if you have been one who has supported our joint effort with the Master's Academy International to send 10,000 MacArthur Study Bibles to brothers and sisters in the Philippines who cannot afford them, then you're going to rejoice. You're going to also have to use your imagination because this is a video. And it's really challenging to show video on radio, nevertheless, imagine Eric Weathers standing on the platform of a large church in the Philippines. Please note, this is a big church. When Eric turns the camera around and you imagine seeing faces, there are hundreds of people sitting inside of this church. And I would like for you to experience the joy of imagining how thankful they are, how grateful they are, how excited and joy-filled they are when they were told, guess what? Some wretched Christians wanted you to have a MacArthur Study Bible. Hi, Bob. Hello, Todd. (laughs) That's easy. Well, Todd, we're really excited to be here because... Uh, well, the, the Bibles that we've been praying for have been delivered to the port in Manila, Philippines. And they- Hold it right there. They didn't even tell me that was happening. I'm going to send a strongly worded memo to somebody at the Master's Academy International. They printed the Bible. Now, just as an aside, and believe me, this is an aside, I'm not sure all 10,000 have been accounted for financially, which means if you would like to join what you're about to hear you can still do that. We'd be mega grateful. Wretched.org slash Bible. Wretched.org slash Bible. These are specially printed Bibles because of the covers. They had to be particular because of the humidity in the Philippines. And they just hit the port. The majority of them are there. I think TMAI got some of them because they already started distributing them. Listen to the response of the people that you have affected. Haven't been released by customs yet. They're going to be here shortly, but we have an advanced copy to hand out to some of those uh, people that you've already met. So we are here and I want you to meet uh, Higher Rock Church here in Kaysland City. So I'm gonna pan this around as Bob and I sort of dance our way around. Use your imagination. We're going to see the church. Wow! There you have it, my friend. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Tell me it's not good to be a member of the kingdom of God. Thank you very much. Be encouraged, gospel partners, and those of you who sent 10,000 Bibles, specifically MacArthur Study Bibles, 
to our brothers and sisters in the Philippines. I'm telling you, I'm looking at this church. <laughs> Jimmy, you saw this video. I did. Were you a little bit surprised at the size of it? I was. How exciting is that? It is extreme. Now, you know, please, to be clear, the Masters Academy International Churches in the Philippines, they're probably not all this big. But it's like, whoa, Right. wait a second. You mean God is working someplace else besides the United States? What's happening out there? Be encouraged. We'll share more and more of these videos. Grateful to Eric for sending these. I'm telling you, if you are, um, if you're not thinking Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, perhaps there is no better example than this that what we do here on earth resonates in heaven. What we do here has eternal implications. I mean everything. This happens to be one of those very obvious things that will last for forever. Christians who, in America, had the means said, let's send our brothers and sisters that we don't know in the Philippines a Bible. And you did. And then a lot of effort went into getting them ordered, printed, shipped, and now distributed so that people can read the Word of God and read the footnotes. And by the way, as, as you will hear later this week, pastors are also going to be receiving these Bibles because they are, they are bilingual or multilingual. They do speak English. They have zero commentaries, nada, zero, zip. And you're providing them. How cool that we get to participate in eternal work. Wretched.org slash Bible if you'd like to help us get to the finish line on this project. But we turn our attention now to a trend that I hope is not happening in the Philippines, but it certainly is in the West. I think it is safe to say we don't need George Barna or George Gallup to do a survey because you've probably heard the tales of woe from parents who miss their kids because they loved on them for 18, 20 years, 22 years, and now they don't hear hide nor hair from them. Dennis Prager, I think, is the first one to have observed this perhaps years ago. I think I was still at the Cinderblock bunker in the middle of a field in Egan, Minnesota at KKMS, when Dennis Prager, I don't know if he was talking about this publicly, but I think when I spent a little time with him, he was talking about how kids, well, they didn't use this term back then, ghost their parents. They just, they disconnect totally from their good and godly Christian parents. And now he's written an article that I think is worthy of our attention to try to answer the question, what's going on? Why are kids divorcing their parents? It's titled A Pandemic of Cruelty, and so it is. The pandemic consists of adult children who've decided never again to speak to one or both of their parents. The vast majority of these kids were never sexually or physically abused. In fact, nearly all were loved by their parents. What kind of a trend is this? What's happening here? And the answer is... The world is against you, mom and dad. I heard a story. Now, this I grant you secondhand. I have no reason to doubt it's true. A woman was telling me that she knew of two Christian kids who went to, uh, you know what? I don't remember the name of the university. I think I remember the name of the university, but it's irrelevant. It's a public university. 
And at the class that this that this these two Christian kids were in, they were asked to stand up if they're Christians, who were then informed, and by the way, they were the only two to stand up, who were then informed, your parents had no right to download their faith into you. What? Really? Do you have that right with your kids? What right do you have with us? Honestly. Oh, and that isn't just in a classroom at a secular university. It's everywhere. Public schools. It's online. It's music. And by the way, I got to tell you something about music. Friel, we didn't ask. Permit me to tell you anyway. Went out to dinner with a couple that we've known for forever. Pretty much for forever. And we were in a little town called Woodstock. It is a groovy happening downtown. This is one of the, somebody had some vision there. They kept the old buildings and they've converted them. So it's like these cutesy schmootsy. That's their actual name. Cutesy schmootsy shops and groove. There was, there was something called Reformation Brewery. Uh-huh. So I think there's those folks who love to hoist a beer while studying the Bible would love going to the Reformation Brewery as a destination location. And there were restaurants and shops But there was also a restaurant slash bar and they had the rooftop thing going on. I cannot do an impersonation of it. I walked by it and I thought I wanted to get into a fight. It is angry sounding. I don't know what they were saying. I mean, there's sometimes you can listen to the the rap business and I'll hear the F-bomb being dropped, the N-word being used liberally. But the tone of it, it honestly, it's like... All right, let's go, everybody. Put them up because that's what the music says. What kind of an effect does that have on the soul? It can't do anything but make one angry. And 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 it's so dark. It's like pouring battery acid into your soul. And the place was slammed. There were, there were, honestly, there were hundreds of younger people that were there. Now, that's just one message that's getting pumped into your kids. Furthermore, the message of you be you, the autonomous self, it has been, it, that has been an effort of secularists now for centuries to go about the business of trying to persuade you that nothing matters but you and your feelings. Oh, boy. And as it had an effect. And so it is young people today who have guzzled and consumed all of those negative attitudes toward parents. They've been acting it out. And parents, loving, godly parents, certainly not perfect, are deemed toxic because they won't let the kid be their autonomous self. Why else is this happening and how you and I might avoid it next on wretched radio sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very very happy this is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby courtesy of an ultrasound from preborn 
I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? wretched.org slash Bible. Books of the Bible. The book of Micah contains prophecies against the kingdoms of Judah and Israel. Micah warns of God's judgment for idolatry and oppressing the poor, but he offers hope of salvation in the coming Messiah, who is a shepherd, a judge, and a ruler. Those whom God has saved are charged to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with their God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The autonomous self and pained parents. This is Wretched Radio. There is a pandemic of cruelty indeed. It's sweeping across the U.S., I hope not in the Philippines, where 10,000 MacArthur Study Bibles just arrived and are going to be distributed to our brothers and sisters. And if you'd like to help with that, you can visit wretched.org slash Bible. But it is indeed a pandemic in the West. Why are kids ghosting their parents? Dennis Prager offers his thinking, and oftentimes he can be thoughtful. Now, as a Jewish man, I don't expect him to be rightly biblical because he's off 
about the central figure of the entire Bible. If, of course, you haven't unhitched the Old Testament, the Bible relentlessly points toward a Messiah. The Bible is emphatic. There is a better king coming who is going to be a prophet and a priest to boot, and he will pay for the sins of his people. And if Dennis Prager can't see that, I don't expect him to nail everything else. But let's see what we can learn from this very smart observer. He's talking about these adult kids who say, not calling you back, mom and dad. In fact, they don't say that. They just don't. Why have these people decided to hurt their mother, their father, or both in one of the worst ways possible? He cites three reasons. One, the ascent of the therapeutic mentality. Prior to the explosion of psychotherapy, people were governed by shoulds. Beginning in the 60s, however, the therapeutic model replaced the moral model as the guide to one's behavior. People who lived at that time will recall the phrase, there are no shoulds. It's not you should do it. You just do it because that's what you're supposed to do. Now, you will hear Dennis's desire and belief that he can actually keep the law seeping out there. Uh, that, that we moved away from, hey, there are rules here to more of a therapeutic self. And for my money, I think he's getting warm with the observation of the therapeutic self. What is the therapeutic self? Do you remember a few years ago? It's been a bit now. I think it was Al Mohler. If he didn't coin the term, I think he popularized it, that the majority of Americans believe in moralist, uh, moralistic therapeutic deism moralistic, therapeutic deism. Yeah, there's some morals, there's God, but it's just to help me so that I can cope and get through and feel good. This trend is not new. I was reading an article by one Daniel Mahoney at the American Mind called The End of Ordered Liberty. And the focus of the article was that America, as, as it was designed, cannot actually operate Quote, the American ideal of self-government is increasingly inapplicable to our culture. He's right, because this sort of liberty demands an internal compass. The founding fathers, they understood that. They realized that the strength of the nation was found in an internal compass, not in external police forces. The nation's character writes this fellow, has been transformed. And because freedom and virtue stand or fall together, um, without virtue, we're going to fall. And then he writes, to defend freedom today, to, thus requires not only manly resistance to the emancipatory project that erodes and destroys freedom, order, and authority at the same time, but a reconnecting of liberty and human goods, including civic and moral virtue. Well, that whole bit about a manly resistance needs to be defined a little bit better, but point taken, you can't have liberty if people don't manage themselves. But that wasn't the point of his article. He gives a little bit of a history as to why in this nation we are indeed lacking in common sense morality. What happened here? Let me introduce you, courtesy of this article from the American Mind, to a fellow named Aurel Colnai. In 1950, he wrote an essay titled, Three Writers Write Not like scribes, but writers 
of the apocalypse. National so here, here's the three riders of the apocalypse: national socialism, communism, and progressive democracy. Isn't that interesting? He identified that long before Bernie Sanders. Well, maybe just right as Bernie Sanders was in diapers. Nevertheless, he located the underlying complicity of these three ideologies in a shared commitment to, ready for this, emancipated man. If you've read Carl Truman's book, Strange New World, you know precisely what is being described here. You've got to be you. You have got to be freed from shackles, restraints, most particularly religion, specifically Christianity. Now, this article, again, it's a different direction. It's focusing on why this country is in such big trouble because democracy demands morality. Liberty demands that people think rightly. We're, we're in big trouble. Nevertheless, he's identifying how this thinking was adopted, and he traces it to the emancipated man, the human being, construed as free from all natural and supernatural limits and guidance. That's what, that's, that is the zeitgeist now that has been simmering for decades. But as the first two totalitarian movements and regimes revealed, autonomous man turns out to be more of a devil than a god. And all the efforts of human self-deification inevitably lead to self-enslavement and to moral insanity and social chaos. So this emancipation, this desire for personal liberation, means that anybody who tries to hold you down, who tries to break your stride, you're, you're just going to jettison them. Because it's all about you. Mom and dad, I'm afraid you've been the victim of that. You tried to be godly. You tried to love your kids. You tried to train up your kids in the way that they should go. And their brain was wired to say, toxic, leave me alone. Let me be. Get off of my back. Don't call me. Don't even text me. I gotta be me. That's why so many parents are being ghosted. Prager continues. I'll use a family story to illustrate the point. Despite the fact that this mother was a very difficult woman, my father called her every night. And every night she would yell at him. I heard the yelling because instead of holding it to his ear, my father would place the phone on the kitchen table while she ranted. Had my father been born a generation later and gone to a therapist where he discussed his mother, if he said how much he dreaded calling his mother, the therapist would likely have led my father to believe there was no reason he should talk to her. And a culture that declared there are no shoulds would have concurred. The therapist would have declared my grandfather's, or my grandmother rather, toxic and given my father the green light to avoid calling her. But my father lived in the age of shoulds, and he was a religious Jew who had been taught the Ten Commandments since childhood. The fifth commandment, of course, honor your father and mother. Moreover, he believed, as did most, the Ten Commandments were given by God. Gone, 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 and you are feeling it, mom and dad. In our post-biblical age, there are no commandments. Dennis Prager loves the Ten Commandments. 
which is another reason why listening to moral advice, parenting advice, especially when the Bible is brought into it from Dennis, is probably demanding a more Christian filter. We don't want kids to be moralists because as soon as they can get away with it, they will. They need a heart transplant, a difference between Christianity and Dennis Prager theology. They need new desires. A second reason for the ignore parents pandemic is parental alienation. One parent fighting with the other, getting a divorce, and the one says terrible things about the other parent, and therefore they're alienated, so they get ghosted. I thought the third reason that Dennis Prager cites is very interesting to consider. What you do with this, it's up to you. This isn't a political commentary. I'm just telling you, he says that it's an ideological divorce. Probably hundreds of thousands of parents who voted for Donald Trump who have a child who will not speak to them because of that vote, or because the parent holds some conservative values such as marriage, the LGBTQ stuff, it could be the life issue. It's political slash ideological. The world got them. Progressivism, liberty, being able to do whatever anybody wants to. Hey, as long as they don't hurt me, whatever. Doris Day theology, as long as it doesn't bother me, case Sarah. And if you tried to uphold solid biblical values, even in the realm of politics, <sighs> mom and dad, that might be why your children divorced you. And I'm sorry for that. To the parents who still have kids in their homes and don't want to be divorced, don't impose the Ten Commandments. Dennis is wrong. You need the supernatural intervention of God. You need a heart transplant that only comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ and regeneration. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. And our first story takes us to the great state of Texas, where it seems that CNN may have taken a trip down the rabbit hole which can probably be said for all of their stories. But in particular, the network has made claims that the recent abortion ban in Texas has caused an increase in infant mortality rates. Well, you know, as much as I enjoy a good fairy tale, I think I would prefer them before bedtime, not during primetime news. Despite CNN's assistance on the narrative, they've seemed to have forgotten one small thing. Facts. And next, let's turn our attention to the academic world, where it seems some institutions have more of a do-as-we-say-not-as-we-do mentality. A recent report uncovers the lack of accommodation for religious students at U.S. colleges and universities. From a lack of dietary provisions to inadequate prayer spaces, it looks as though some of our institutions of higher learning could use a lesson or two in the diversity and inclusion that they seem to push so much for other areas. Oh, but this is for religious students, so diversity and inclusion doesn't really count for them. Yeah, that's again the whole do as we say, not as we do mentality. And how about the state of our economy in this country? It seems as though House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says that President Joe Biden's economic policies, which have been turned by economics, are working wonders for the American people. 
That's what Pelosi says. But unfortunately, she also says, we're left in the back seat because there's been a lack of effective communication. So Bidenomics is working. He just hasn't communicated that to the American people precisely. Yeah, I don't think that's it, Nancy. I don't think that's it at all. And on a sweeter note, and I do mean sweeter, one man out there has an extreme love for Cadbury cream eggs. First of all, I'm not sure why he has that love for them, but he does. He uh, he was convicted of stealing 200,000 of them. Yeah, 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs. I'm pretty sure he stole them for the money, a million and a half dollars worth, because I can't see one person actually desiring 200,000 of those things. Anyway, he's got 18 months to sit around and think about, I could have probably picked something better to go to jail for than stealing Cadbury cream eggs. Finally, there's a new app called Woke-O-Meter, and it is aimed at helping users identify woke brands, like having a pocket-sized detective sift through all of the political and social stances of companies out there without you having to actually weed through news to see who's on the chopping block today. And that has been your latest Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ in the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. A good shepherd protects, directs, provides, and cares for his sheep. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. No one can snatch them out of his hand. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Want to do something very unusual and potentially risky? This is Wretched Radio. Have you seen the theological weather report? There's a storm of brewing, Ma, and that tempest is how the church responds to a government that is turning its face toward the church. No, turning its face against the church. Case in point, one of many. Gavin Newsom just had a victory in California, threatened to... Jimmy, what was that count? Uh, Temecula, Riverside, what was it? The county in California where the where Newsom said you will have the Harvey Milk reference in your curriculum. Right. It, or I'll fine you one point five million dollars. Riverside County. Is that where is that where Milton Vincent uh, is located? I think so. Because in Riverside, California. I just listened to a sermon from Milton Vincent. I'm telling you, that guy. This was amazing. No, okay. This is for you, my expositor friend. Now, this is gonna sound potentially crazy. If you're a pastor who does a deep, deep dive into the text, you don't want to leave anything on the table. Milton Vincent preached 44 verses in the sermon that we just listened to. It was the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And it was amazing. Did he cover every detail? Nope. Did he go down every potential theological trail that would have been worthy and certainly can be done? No, he didn't do that either. Did you love Jesus more when it was done? Yes, you did. Because you heard a preacher whose filter was Christ. This isn't this isn't an historical narrative to be didactic per se. A historical narrative, it does have theology loaded in it, but it's a story that anticipates an effect and a response. And this sermon was preached so that you saw the Savior 
When Jesus made it to Mary and Martha, he was troubled. And again, this there was expository stuff inside of it. To, I mean, to be sure, there was plenty of teaching inside of it. But he said the Greek word, according to D.A. Carson, is when applied to horses is when they snort. <laughs> They're expressing it. What's going on inside is coming out of their lips. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was angry at what? Sin, death, the devil. And he turned his face to the tomb and he marched toward it. John Calvin called him a champion marching to battle to destroy the enemy death. And Milton Vincent said he went to kill death. Death didn't have a chance. Aren't you glad you have a savior like that who weeps with you, who recognizes the pain of living in this fallen world? And aren't you glad you have a savior who's angry at the causes of those destructive things? And aren't you glad you've got a Savior who is going to ultimately eradicate death forever? Aren't you glad you have a Savior like that? Do you feel that? Do, 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 do you hear the... Oh, what, was, what did that radio talk show host, the guy who hosts Wretched, he called it... Um, he called it... Your uh, central homiletical motif. That's it. That was it right there. What, what's the point of your preaching? It, what, what's, why, why, why are you sharing this information? Is it a mere data dump? Or does it have an end? To lift up Jesus and put him on full display. Milton Vincent does that so finely in Riverside, California, where apparently we think possibly maybe... The city buckled and said, okay, fine. The, you, you, you want us to have curriculum with Harvey Milk? I don't know the details of it, but the bottom line is they were threatened. We'll fine you $1.5 million or, you know, the next club will pound you over the head by taking funding. Uh-huh. Huh? You want that? Now get in line. Whoa. That's new. How does the church respond? Let's do something unusual, shall we? There's an article that I would say, give or take, I agreed with, I'll just, I don't know the exact number because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to accomplish the very thing that I don't want to give the perception that I'm not doing. Freel, spit it out. I agreed with half of it and I disagreed with the other half. And I found the article beneficial because it helped me to think. And it helped me to process a very complex issue to believe that the issue of church-state relations is simple and cut and dry, is, um, is to not consider this debate throughout the millennium. This has been, and uh, even Israel had to deal with this, the relationship between the priests and the king. Uh, this this ain't nothing new, and it ain't easy. And I learned something from this article, even while disagreeing with some of it. Do you think we could do that? Do you think we could maybe engage somebody in a conversation, even about something like Christian nationalism, theonomy, church-state relations, baptistic 
understanding of liberty without clubbing each other? Ah, uh, this, 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 this debate is important. I get it. But I cannot connect it to an essential cardinal doctrine of the Christian faith. I can't do it. I, I, if you can, by all means, tell me, because I, I don't want to be crossing a line here. But if you and I have a difference of opinion on this, is any, either one of us going to hell because of our understanding of how we're supposed to respond to a government that's getting kind of nasty? Now, it could, I understand. Well, what about when that, that's not, let's not, let's not have this conversation on exceptions. Can't we engage even with an article where it's like, nah, and learn something and maybe understand better? And I think, I hope the answer to that is yes. Here's what this fellow writes. And I agree with this wholeheartedly. He was actually writing, even though I disagreed with his solution and his position on Christian nationalism, he identifies something that I've been saying for a bit now. If we don't learn how to work through this issue lovingly and amicably, it is going to be a big old mess. He writes this, It seems likely many conservative Baptist churches will lose members over politics and culture in the coming years if there isn't course correction. I'm thankful for the Baptist raptors of the statement on Christian nationalism and the gospel, but I realize Many of its main ideas are hotly disputed by many influential confessional Baptist leaders today. Now, he gives his opinion on this, right? This is, this is what he said, and I disagree with this. To my mind, he writes, there's no good reason for Baptists to not be able to affirm the American government's prerogative to legislate, adjudicate, in other words, take it to court, and enforce matters pertaining to the moral law of God or to affirm and advocate for a mere Christendom. I disagree with that. I've stated my position before. Do I have any reason to believe that the fellow who wrote this article in The American Reformer is going to hell? Ah, we disagree. Disagree. We're talking about a it's it's not a not theologically. I mean, everything is theological. I get that, but it it, it this it, this isn't like a debate on where a border should be line should be drawn. Okay, that's like well, whatever. That's like a non theological issue. It's a an opinion. You can bring some historical fact if you choose to. You can have an agenda about redrawing political lines for the sake of winning elections. I get all of that, but it's a difference of opinion. This isn't that. It is theological, but it ain't worth dividing over, is it? And that's that's what he says. If we don't get this sorted, the storm that is honestly, okay, I I do believe that there are some bad implications for the folks who adhere to a a a, a more to the right Christian nationalism position. That's, that's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern is that you and I are going to end up like the man on an island who was finally rescued after 20 years when the captain came to shore and he noticed the three huts. Tell me, why do you have three huts? There's just one of you. And he said, well, that's my house. That's my church. And that's my old church. We're going to be that guy. If we don't, maybe learn is the right way. Maybe, maybe the word, sorry, I'm, I'm not, 
I'm not accusing everyone out of the tens and tens of people listening, but maybe mature would be a better word. That we don't mature to the level of understanding when you go to the mattresses and when you don't. And how we go about the business of controlling our our strongly held beliefs on some of these subjects. Listen to what he said. It seems likely many conservative Baptist churches will lose members over politics and culture in the coming years. That should not be. How do we potentially avoid that? Next on Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. I'm here to ask you a question. And that question is that if you have ever considered taking the next step in your support of our ministry and becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Now, if you're not in a position to be an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner, like if you have ongoing debt that you need to deal with, if you're not giving to your local church, then don't. We don't want you to be a monthly gospel partner until those situations are reconciled. But if you have those situations reconciled, then we would love for you to join us as an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Because as you know, our mission is to bring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to every corner of the world. We appreciate you. We thank you for listening to us and supporting us on a daily basis. And we would love for you to consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. You can get all the details on how to do just that at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Names of God. 
We learn a lot about God from the names given to Him in Scripture. The first name given to God is Elohim in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is a plural noun, but the verb created is singular. God is plural in personhood, but singular in being. The Creator God is the triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Please don't take my word for it. This is Wretched Radio. Permit the Apostle Paul to perhaps slap probably all of us on the wrist. Lovingly, of course, listen to his pleading for you to be united with brothers and sisters. I didn't say false converts. I didn't say people in heretical systems. I said people who are square on the essentials who have been born again from above. Ephesians 4.1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now this is, by the way, the therefore is therefore the reason of reminding you because of what I have been teaching and preaching to you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he's been after constantly, persistently. Here's the mystery revealed. This is what you have in Jesus Christ. You were dead. And Jimmy, by the way, uh-huh. what, what does it mean to be dead in trespasses and sin? To be dead? No. Well, well yeah, it does. <laughs> but, but according to the clip you played me before the program began today? Oh, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you're spiritually dead. That's right. Actually... Yeah. <laughs> That's precisely what it means. I do not think that word means what you think it means. When you're spiritually dead, you aren't spiritually alive. Now, to give that fellow the benefit of the doubt, maybe he, you know, you're you're cold. You're not as enthusiastic as you once were. Right. But words have meanings. That's right. And Paul was really clear in Ephesians chapter two. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. You need to be made alive. And if you have brothers and sisters who've experienced that like you, here's a word from Paul. I therefore. The prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. Not a suggestion, not a not a hint. It's a pleading command. I am begging you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Here it comes, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? There's one body, one Spirit. You are called in one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Be united. And I recognize there are times, we all understand this, when division is necessary. What I am beseeching us to consider is, is this issue a necessary issue? And that is the understanding of, what. well, okay, what's my pastor supposed to be preaching about this week? Did you see the latest LGB nonsense, what they're doing with the kids in the library and the parade? Is, is that a reason to divide because your pastor doesn't hit it head on? Is there really, really somebody in Christendom? Who should be telling pastors how many minutes per week to dedicate to social issues versus just preaching the Bible? Is it can we not have some what's that word that we love here? Oh, yeah, liberty and an understanding that there are just some things that we're gonna have to disagree about. 
and still worship the Lord together. An article that I disagree with, written by one Kurt Wagner, one calling two kingdoms. Much of the recent confusion and noise around the debate over Christian involvement in politics and culture within evangelical Protestant circles stems from a disregard or forgetting of the traditional teaching of Christian calling or vocation. So this fellow identifying the danger that is absolutely on the horizon for the church. There's going to be a lot of division because people, they're, they're more politically interested. They have the other people have zero interest in it. We're going to be dividing over that. That's his concern. I share it. He's offering his solution. And while I don't agree with his understanding of the issue of church-state relations, I can still get something out of it. And I don't have to call the guy nasty names. I hope he won't do that with me. More importantly, a renewed interest in an understanding of vocation is, is what is needed. It will infuse a much-needed dose of charity and humility into the conversation, helping those with different callings, debating in good faith, to recognize and affirm the callings of others, peaceably encouraging everyone to stay faithful, productive, and even zealous. And here's, and he put him in quotes, in their lane. We've got to stay in our lanes. What Your passion, praise God, my passion might be different. I hate you. No, that's not the response. Uh, I've, got, I've got a different passion, and I can't make my thing your thing, and vice versa. And so this is his effort to say, hey, we, we got to get this figured out somehow. And he says vocation is the way to go about doing that. He says there seems to be a growing trend of frustration of the more politically and culturally minded people in the pews that their pastors are not addressing politics and culture nearly enough. Or, if they are, then not accurately or passionately or astutely enough. All right, I know you. I've met you. You know what? Sometimes I feel like you. <laughs> I feel that. But that's your thing. And that's okay. If you have a passion for politics, now this fellow's advice, and you, you can, you can, your mileage may vary on this, is then go into politics. Let that be your vocation. If that's your passion, if that's the way you choose to make a living so that you can help people, and if you believe to save a nation, then do that. Then that's your calling. But there might be somebody in the pew sitting next to you who doesn't share that calling or burden. And they should do their thing. Now, his solution at the end, again, it's, 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 a, I'm, I'm not, I'm not with him on that, but I'm still considering it. How could it be help rather, maybe I would say rather than vocation, what is your passion? What is the thing? Get ready for this evangelical lingo that God has laid on your heart. Hmm? I'm glad it's there. It's a food pantry. Praise God. Go, man, go feed them. We need to get we need to get clean socks under the feet of the homeless. You rock on. You go, girl. You know what my thing is? Different. It's evangelism, life issue, theology applied issue. I'm not gonna make my thing your thing, and you should return the favor. You want to put dry socks, clean socks under the feet of the homeless? 
that's outstanding. But I'm not going to point at you and go, so why aren't you, why aren't you more exercised about passing out gospel tracts? We stay in our lane. My thing isn't your, now he calls it vocation. Okay, I'll work with that. Here's what he writes. Pastors don't need to hinder Christians desiring to serve God in the civil sphere. I don't know where that's happening, but yes. And those more politically minded shouldn't be surprised when pastors want to primarily focus on preaching the gospel and building up the church. Yay. I disagree with how he positions it. A Christian in the church who can't stop thinking and talking about politics should consider a civil vocation, service in government, or another way to influence law and culture. or Put some of your free time to, to use in that direction. Exercise those muscles. Don't, don't, don't just exercise your jaw muscle to tell everybody that they're supposed to be really into it like you are. And vice versa. Now, we've all got church issues that are indeed important. And increasingly, our priorities on those things should be in alignment and we should be passionate about those things. He writes, if more Christians ran for office instead of arguing with their pastors about politics and more pastors preached the gospel and fled their flocks rather than trying to discourage anything about politics, then maybe we'd be closer to having the Christian nation we all want. All right. As I've stated to this fellow, I, I didn't buy everything that he was selling. Gave me something to think about. And it certainly forced me to remember. <sighs> There's too much history here. This is from the American Reformer also. Three voices from the past. Christian political thinking is marked by a struggle between two seemingly opposing principles. On the one hand, the rulers of the kingdoms of this world are required to submit to the authority of Christ and to kiss the son lest he be angry. On the other hand, Jesus said to Pilate, his kingdom is not of this world. And this particular article goes about explaining what Martin Luther thought about it, writing about two kingdoms, that there's a spiritual kingdom, there's a physical kingdom, and there the twain shall meet. Mm. Nevertheless, he cites John Calvin. He picked up some of Luther's teaching, developed it, as he considered the relationship between the conscience, political obligation, and an understanding of political institutions. Then. You've got another guy entering it. How's about Abraham Kuyper dealing with sphere sovereignty? How's about a reformed realism with Reinhold Niebuhr? Hey, the people are really sinful. They're really, really bad. And we're never going to reach utopia because people are so bad. And that infused his thinking about church-state relations. What's the point? Brilliant people, all. Different take all. Do I think I'm right? Well, I, I'm trying to be right. Am I going to be so arrogant to say I've got it absolutely right? That would be to say I'm smarter than Luther, Calvin, Kuiper, and anybody else, including you. And I don't think we should do that. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>